I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What'd you drag into church today? That's a what, not a who. <laughs> Don't be fun. Don't be doing nothing funny now. What'd you drag into church today? I guess it could be a who, as you'll see. It depends on you. We'll see. Um, but before we do anything else, let's, let's weave the Gospels and read this story. Uh, I want to get all the pieces. Mostly it's Mark and blue. A little bit of Matthew. Wanted to get the, the extra pieces in there. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, which was really actually just a, a big lake, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake. See, told you, it's a big lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Now, when he'd gone a little further, he saw two other brothers, James, uh, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And immediately, they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and, and followed him. Okay, just stop right there. Because as you probably know, if you've been going here a while, uh, I give TV Jesus a really hard time. TV Jesus, that's that other version, that TV version of Jesus. I mean, <laughs> this one looks like a pirate. I'm sorry. If you remember the old Pink Panther series, this old Clouseau there, trying <laughs> to keep pumping up the parrot. Uh, <laughs> if you remember that. Now, I, before you, you know, cast dispersions here on what I'm saying, TV Jesus has actually gotten better lately. A lot better. And so I give, you know, respect where it's due. But overall and historically, he is usually cheesy Jesus. It's cheesy, uh, mystical. I hate that about it. It's usually mystical. Come on, a bit namby-pamby, right? And just a cog off. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about playing Jesus, but. Oh, oh and because of, <laughs> I hate this, because of budget constraints, he just can't ever seem to attract the crowds that are described in detail in Scripture. And that's a very accurate example of what's described. And so you've probably seen it. When TV Jesus passes these four fishermen, we just talked about, who he's never met, right? And he says, follow me. And they just like drop what they're doing. You know, these total strangers. And they just follow under TV Jesus' hypnotic spell. And we don't understand why. Well, I'm just going to tell you that right there. We've all seen it several times. That is the result of lazy tradition over a trustworthy timeline of Jesus' testimony as woven from all the pieces taken from all four Gospels. You just have to put them together where they say they go. Two, two of which, the Gospels, were written by two of these four fishermen who knew what was going on. So here's what I want to do. We're going to read it again, but before we do, I want to back up about a year, okay? About a year earlier so we can see what all has led to this moment. 
So, 42 days after Jesus' baptism, because remember after his baptism, he was tempted for 40 days and he come back and it's on the second day. So, 42 days after Jesus' baptism, which, listen up, was attended, if not assisted, we are told by Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Okay? John the Baptist pointed out his cousin Jesus to his disciple Andrew as the one and only Lamb of God. And so, chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, right off the bat, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah. Uh, That is the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him, Simon, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated as Peter means rock. I'm going to call you Rocky. I mean, that's exactly what he does. I'm going to call you Rocky. He changes a lot of the disciples' names, by the way. Sons of Thunder, there's a whole bunch. Uh, Then they all... Okay, all went to that wedding in Cana where Jesus turned water into wine. Then they all went to Jerusalem for Passover where Jesus upset the tables and really upset the Pharisees and performed many mighty miracles and then directed his disciples to baptize. So his disciples are baptizing, who he calls his brothers, his brethren. And they're baptizing. Then they all met that woman at the well Spent some time in her town. Uh, They heard that John the Baptist was arrested. And then they followed along as Jesus taught in all the towns. They returned to Cana where where he had done the water and the wine. But this time he performed a long distance healing for an official son who was in Capernaum. And then Jesus dismissed him. And Jesus went home to Nazareth. And that's where he was until his friends and family tried to throw him off a cliff. And after they tried to throw him off a cliff, Jesus moved to Capernaum and declared it was time. It was time to preach the good news. And so, then, at that time, after all that, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, we'll just call it Big Lake, Big Lake, he saw two of his very familiar brothers, Simon, whom Jesus called Peter when they first met a year earlier, and his brother, Andrew. You ever wonder why the brother's in there twice? And his brother, Andrew, one of the first two to follow, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen by trade disciples. By choice. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I'll make you, as in full time, fishers of men. At once they left their nets and their fish and everything else just laying there. Someone really should take care of the mess, right? Because that's going to stink and that'd be a bad witness. But don't worry, because it says when he had gone just a little further, he saw, as expected, Two other brothers of his, who were Peter and Andrew's business partners, their fishing partners, 
who had also been with Jesus since his baptism. Well, it was James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat with their father preparing their nets. Preparing for what? Without delay, Jesus called them. And immediately they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. How many hired men? I don't know. But I do know this. Enough to make up for, enough to replace these four fishing partners turned fishers of men who were not waiting to be recruited. They were waiting to be deployed. They'd been with Jesus for a year. Yeah, so, you know, they had to hire some guys. Because somebody had to tend to those fish nets that the other two partners left. Some got to take care of all that stuff. You see, James and John were not only preparing their nets, they were preparing their father and their family business. No hypnotism, okay? No spell. Just faithful men responsibly and immediately responding to their Savior's call. I don't know why, we we just soften how real Jesus is. And how radical Jesus really was. But I'll tell you this, when it comes to our following his calling, he makes it radically clear, saying, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Say, is not worthy of me. Is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me, say it, is not worthy of me. Because this is some scary words here. Uh, And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We've got to be worthy. Because here's the thing. Placing anyone above Christ isn't loving them more. It's loving them less. Because we love others best when we love God most. Read that with me. We love others best when we love God most. That's why you're not worthy of Jesus if you're loving people less. See? And that's why the position of supreme passion must be reserved for following Jesus, learning Jesus, loving Jesus and serving Jesus. Uh, why didn't their father Zebedee or the hired men leave and follow Jesus? Wasn't their call. Wasn't their call. You see, everyone's call is very specific. Specific to their, to their skill set and their mindset, personality, and created purpose. Not to mention the Lord's timing. Right? For instance, after this, after this, Jesus went out beside the lake, and as he walked along, he saw a tax collector. Okay, a little different kind of net. He's got net profits. He saw a tax collector by the name of Levi that also went by the name of Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything. What's everything? Money. Right? He collected taxes for the Roman government. So he left the money that belonged to and must be rendered to Caesar. I mean, Jesus even said that. 
render unto Caesar, and, and followed him. After what? After this? After what? Well, hold on. I'll tell you after what, because it's after those fishermen left their nets to follow, and Jesus began healing whole towns all at once. And the uh, Pharisees began plotting his death. And so he returned with his disciples to Big Lake, and he gave Peter a miraculous catch. You see, someone took care of his nets and his boat. Then Jesus chose his 12 apostles, which obviously included Levi slash Matthew. He gave the Sermon on the Mount, and then we're told he came down the mountain. He healed a head-to-toe leper, uh, entered Capernaum, and he healed a centurion's servant. He left there. He raised a widow's son from the dead. And then we are told Jesus traveled with the twelve all over the place. He riled the religious rulers. He calmed the wind and waves. Uh, drove out a demonic legion, healed a paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof. After this, right there, after all that, after this, Jesus went out beside the lake. And as he walked along, he saw one of his chosen 12, who was, well, a tax collector by the name of Levi, also went by Matthew sitting at his tax booth, his tax station, not waiting to be recruited, but deployed. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. No hypnotism, no spell. Actually makes sense in the real world. Just a man who knew what business he was really in first and foremost, and had obviously not only prepared his governmental obligations accordingly, but had used the opportunity to further the kingdom of God. You see, Matthew was stationed at his station, not only to collect taxes to render unto Caesar, but tax collectors and other sinners to render unto Jesus. And so when Jesus gave the call, Levi left his deadlines to follow his lifeline to where? The party, a big old banquet, right? He was called to host a monumental dinner party. I just like saying that. Matthew was called to host a monumental dinner party with his friends. And his Savior. What about you? You, you chained to your desk? Yeah, your desk, you know, translate that into whatever your desk is, whatever your net is. You're stuck in whatever taxing station, whatever, whatever is yours. You unwilling to trade your temporary obligations for the eternal party Jesus calls us all to as he, as he passes by. Oh, what a toll that will take. You got to know what business you're in, first and foremost. We all do. Because in the end, uh, worldly net gains are not only a net loss, they're just gross. <laughs> Matthew left the taxing table for the banqueting table. 
the Caesar for the King of Kings because he knew that we can only have but one supreme obligation and that everything else and above everything else he was in the business of following the Lord so what business are you in first and foremost because Jesus Jesus just won't allow us to drag our net and follow and here's a hard truth but some who, who maybe in this room, maybe you're watching right now, some who think of themselves, believe that they are followers of Christ have never actually left their nets. They just made the mistake asking Jesus to jump in. Jump in, in my net, along with everything else I'm vainly trying to control in this life. You'll be, you be part of that mess. Maybe that's why we like that Jesus fish symbol so much. Jump in my net, Jesus fish. But if you've asked him into your net rather than into your whole heart, I am sorry to say, but, but you've made a grave error. You've asked Jesus to follow you. And that he does not do. And he demands that we, uni, that we release any and every influence and authority, family, business, or otherwise that requires us to deny in any way total devotion to the only way. Because you can't take up the cross till you put down the net. Because our nets are filled with the things that cling to us. The things that we cling to goes both ways. We, all the things we cling to that cling to us, that distract us from fully following Jesus and instead just waiting to be deployed. Waiting to be deployed, first and foremost, business we're in. We like to think we choose God. We choose Jesus. Only true with uh, the little g false gods. Those you can, you can choose all day long. But the big G, the big G chooses us and calls us through Jesus to leave whatever business has no business outranking our Savior so that we can act quickly and decisively when he comes a calling. Which, by the way, he does in some small way each and every day. Time to do this. Follow me. Follow me. And when he does, it's a yes or no. That's our only choice. Yes or no. And if you say, well, okay, I will definitely follow wholeheartedly when my career thrives, you know, when my health improves, come on, when I have more time. Boy, you take that stance, he's got to knock the wind out of you because he's got to get your full attention because God calls you when it's time. You don't call him when it's convenient. That's that little g, God of convenience that uh, Noah was talking about last Sunday. So this is my point. I just want you to ask yourself, are you prepared to let go of whatever's holding you back and dragging you down? And are you holding the net? Or is that net holding you? Because truth is, uh, the only nets we really need to leave are the ones that we're caught up in at the expense 
of our created purpose and particular God-given mission, which every one of us has. So what, if anything, are you currently caught up in at the cost of closely following Christ? Let it go. Drop it. Picture yourself, just close our eyes for a second. Just picture yourself trying to follow Jesus, literally, you know, walking after him on the beach, with this entangled net dragging behind you, filled with the people you gossip about, the people you slander, uh, all the things that you're trying vainly to control, anything unforgiven, anyone unforgiven inside that, bad habits, secret sins, and whatever or whoever dethrones God's authority in your life and causes you to compromise his word. Because you can open your eyes. Open your eyes and realize what it costs to really follow Christ. It's great news, really, because it's exactly everything this is dragging you down, down here. Everything in that net. I had, so, I had a handful of people after first service come up. And in one way or another, I think the funniest way it was said was, he said, oh my goodness, i got to get the governor out of my net. <laughs> it was funny how many people said the governor was in their net. <laughs> get the governor out of your net. <laughs> Stop dragging him behind. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, for much of my life, you know, I'm getting old now. I look back over the decades for much of my life. It wasn't seek ye first the kingdom of God Almighty. It was absolutely drag ye first the kingdom of Bruce Almighty. And one by one, though, I've been learning. I've left a lot. I've dropped a lot. I ain't all there yet. But I'm learning to leave my, my nets, my taxing station, my business that's secondary. Leave it behind. One thing I'll share that I still struggle with, because Noah talked about it last Sunday, it's that uh, human approval and praise uh, that competes with God's approval and praise. We've been talking about it a couple weeks now, but you see, when it comes to serving you, I love to serve you, but sometimes there's a conflict. Not always, but there are moments when Serving you, I can serve you as I believe God has called me to, or I can please you as I know you'd prefer and compliment me for afterwards. And I realize sometimes I still seek to please. Not today. What'd you drag into church today? Because I didn't drag you. <laughs> Whatever it is, let us together. All of us, each and every one, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, of course, that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. TV Jesus will not cut it. And the trap and tragedy of basing any of our beliefs on that fairly unrelatable version is how easy he makes it to justify ignoring what true Jesus commands. So if you're waiting to be uh, hypnotized, put under a spell, go to the county fair. They do that there. I saw that. They do, they do that there. Whereas true Jesus... He comes daily. He comes to, he comes to us, you, 
Me. He comes daily with a real call for real, responsible people who know what business they're really in. So let's count the cost and cast off whatever's hindering a, a net gain in our faith. What do you say? And let's pray, because boy, we can't do this on our own. Father God, we dedicate our heart, declare our devotion to you as the number one supreme love of our lives. Holy Spirit, convict us and enable us to, to leave the things we cling to that hold us back from living fully in your presence and peace and power. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the freedom that you offer us from, from all our entanglements. And we praise you as our first and foremost Savior and Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.